This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course, On The Grid is powered by theracetalk.com and speaking of the race talk, very shortly we're going to catch up with Richard Crowell. Big weekend in Townsville. Special guest today, Tim Edwards, is going to join us, of course, from Tickford Racing. Team principal there, we'll have a chat to him about how things are going. And also we're going to be joined by Cooper Murray. Porsche Pace Carrera Cup Australia ran up at Townsville this weekend. Cooper Murray, a 17-year-old, and he won all three races to win the round up there in Townsville. A spectacular effort for him at McElroy Racing, and we'll catch up with Cooper and find out how he did it very shortly. But first of all, let's catch up with Crowley. As we say good day to Richard Crowley, how are you, Crowley? Chebex, really well, thank you. Very good weekend up in North Queensland. It's a little bit damp, which was a surprise. Yeah, it certainly was a little bit damp for us up in North Queensland. It was also damp around the Mildura area where this man was for the weekend watching his boys do some bike racing. We say a very good day to the team principal of Tickford Racing, uh, Tim Edwards. Good day, Tim. Yeah, how are you, guys? Excellent. Uh, first of all, just quickly, uh, your weekend entitled uh, had some amazing bike racing going on. Yeah, well, yeah, they, uh, they had a desert race, which is a huge off-road event, isn't it? 750-odd competitors. It's, uh, it's a big event over three days up there, and uh, we've done it for the last few years. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just a magnificent event. So it's one that my boys, you know, love doing, and um, and you know, it's great to be up there doing it as a family. But it's, uh, yeah, it was quite an event this year. With it. By, by the definition of the name, had a desert race. You expect it to be dry and sandy, and which it has been for the last forty years. But uh, this year, at the twenty minutes into the into the race on Sunday, the heavens opened and uh, and, and put parts of the track over a meter underwater. Uh, it was a, a very very different pattern this year. Well, isn't that funny, Richard? Because by definition of a Townsville race, you expect it to be dry and uh, sunny as well. But we didn't have that yeah. either. No, first time in. 10 runnings of that event that they threw wet tyres on the cars. Tim, it was a, a crazy old weekend up in the supercars. But what's the what's the washout from Pickford Racing's point of view? I thought you guys had a great weekend, really competitive across both races and in qualifying. Um, and you'd have to say that Chas Moffat, for one, but Cam Waters especially, I thought, have a, a terrific weekend, terrific lap in the shootout on Sunday and a good drive despite some adversity to get back on the podium in, in race 18. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, uh, you know, for me, our measure of success is having all four of our cars up there. And, uh, and you know, you've seen particularly over the last couple of rounds we've, we've been able to achieve that. And, you know, with Lee's really starting to hit his strides. He's figured out how to qualify our car. And, you know, we always knew that he could race well. And um, and so he's, you know, he's consistently up there with the other boys now. And then, yeah, it's for, for Cam and, uh, and Chaz, you know, they had, they had a very strong weekend. So, you know, as a team, we're, we're pretty happy. You know, clearly would have liked a race win. You know, you qualify in P1 and you'd like to finish P1. But I think it was, um, yeah, it was a it was a very measured drive by Cam. You know, he had certain periods of the race where, you know, clearly he was the fastest car in the field. And, you know, you saw as they took off from the line, you know, when he just left the field behind. So he was really comfortable in, in those conditions, which which was um, which was great. 
And then there's other parts that, that, that Chaz was clearly the dominant one. You know, when they were on wet tyres, he was blazing through the field. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, really strong result by the team. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of hard work. You know, we know the, the Penske cars, and in particular one of them is, is, the, is the measure of the field, and we've been working hard to, um, to actually bridge the gap. And I think, you know, we're making some inroads there. And you, you mentioned Lee. I thought it was a great drive from him as well, as you said, Tim. Uh, a pair of uh, top tens for him, so he really starts to be. He really looks to be setting his, uh, getting his straps now, and uh, that's fantastic for yeah. the second half of the year coming up to the Enduros. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, it, it, you know, there was no secret at the start of the year he was struggling to qualify. You know, he was still getting some reasonable results, um, but he just couldn't qualify as well as his teammates, and he sort of was. He started to get his head around the car, and we've started to understand him a bit better as well. And um, you know, his relationship with his with his engineer, with Sam Scafidi, has um has, has been getting better and better. And um and you know now they've got that bit of an understanding. You know, you're starting to see some um, some better results. So yeah, it's really really encouraging. You mentioned that you you sort of formed Idy's having all of your cars in the ten, and as it stands, despite a tough day for Will Davo on Sunday. All four of your cars are in the top ten of the championship. I mean, that's a a massive achievement that probably isn't recognised enough, Tim. In that, in this day and age where it's so competitive, where there's so many good outfits and good drivers in the paddock, to get all four cars into the top ten of this championship in particular is huge. Do you do you get an opportunity to sit back and go, you know what, that's actually a pretty big thing for us to have achieved at this point of the season? Uh, well, you, you do. I mean, and, and that's why I mentioned it, really, because mm. a lot of people don't give us credit for it. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, with you know, 2015, we had three cars that were were, were fighting it out at the front, but we've we've never been at a. You know, we've had quite a few goes at running the four cars, and you know, for one reason or another, they haven't all quite panned out. Um, um, and you know you start to get a bit of a label that oh well they don't care about that fourth car and all that sort of nonsense. But um, you know we've always run all four of our cars you know with the, the same resources behind them. Doesn't matter who the driver of that car or the owner of that team or whatever, whether it was us or whether it was uh, another party. You know we've always put the same effort into running all four cars, and um, and it's great that you know the, the stars have aligned this year, and we've actually got um, all four of them. Yeah, you know, all four drivers, all four engineers, all four crews of mechanics. You know, they're, they're just just gelling in um, in so many areas. So it's um it's quite rewarding you know, for the team. And uh, and as you say, it does often go unnoticed that um, um that, that you know we are running four cars very successfully. Tim, explain to us. You've obviously got the the four Mustangs. DJR Team Penske has two Mustangs. They've got one that is leading the championship and leading quite substantially. In your eyes, what's the difference between what, what, sorry? In your eyes, what's the difference between what you've got and what they've got? Oh, I mean, I think you know one of their cars. You know, we we can um, uh, beat. You know, so it, it's really there's one guy that. Dominating at the moment, and you know we've, we've all seen it plenty of times in the past. You know we saw it for a period with Wind Cup. You know you saw it for for years with Michael Schumacher. You know it's it's not unheard of to have drivers that they just for whatever reason, whether it's a confidence thing, they can just drive it, you know, point one of a second better than their, you know, because of that 
that that confidence. Um, you know, there's definitely a driver contribution to to how well um, that team is going. Because as I say, I think mechanically our car is very close to theirs. You know, I think um, you know, we can race with them. And the fact, you know, we've been chipping away at it and Cam actually called it off on the weekend. He had qualified the, the master of qualifying, mm. which is Scotty Mack. So they're not unbeatable and we certainly don't think that they're unbeatable and that's why we're, we're pushing as hard as we can. Um, but, you know, there's not one thing. It's not like I'm going to sit here and say, oh, it's, it's their dampers or it's their engine or it's their, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. these cars, there's a, there's a hundred thousand reasons why they're quick, you know, all, and it's all those little, um, uh, small, you know, the one percenters, so to speak, that, that, that make up a competitive car. You know, there isn't, there's no silver bullet. There's not one thing that, 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 that takes you from, you know, where we are, which is, is pretty close and, you know, when you think about it, you know, we've got lap times that are separated by hundreds. Mm. And when you actually ex- you know, extrapolate that out over a, a circuit that may have 13 corners, so 13 times you're braking, 13 times you're cornering, 13 times you're accelerating, 13 times you're hitting a curb, and you can still all arrive back at the start-finish line, hundreds apart. Um, you know, we, we saw it up in Darwin. You know, Everybody was saying, oh, wind cups, you know, struggling, blah, blah, blah. He didn't make the top 10 shootout because he was 11. And he was point zero four or zero zero four off tenth. Well, that you could hardly say someone's struggling when they're when they're that far off. So, yeah, I, I think we've got to we've got to try and qualify better because I think if we can qualify it in front of um, Scotty Mack, we've got half a chance of beating him. But when he sticks it on pole, you're making the life easy for the bloke because then you know we're all. We're all in the train behind him, and he's got clear air and cooler brakes, and drives the lines he wants to drive, and doesn't, you know, and he and he appears to drive away, but you know, that's just the result of qualifying at the front and leading from the front. Uh, obviously, driver talk's been a, a big subject in the last couple of months, Tim. And I oh, really? I hadn't, I hadn't heard. Yeah, no, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't heard it either. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I, I don't. I don't follow any of these social media rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm breaking news, and I didn't actually want to talk about Chase. Uh, I wanted to talk about Cam because we, we touched earlier on how good his performance was on the weekend, and especially given uh, ran down the escape road at two and then was helped down the escape road at three when Perkat whacked him later on in the race and still got the podium. Um, he, stand down 500 a couple of years ago aside, he feels like a driver that while Chaz has been the headline show, I suppose, in the ticket camp, Cam's not far away from that one weekend where it all just seems to gel and, and he, he does a McLaughlin and smokes them, does he? He's so close having that big performance. Is that the vibe you're getting as well from the, the monster car? Yeah, well, it's, it's nice to hear somebody else has noticed because I've certainly noticed. <laughs> and, and, and I'd suggest it's probably a little frustrating for Cam when, you know, it's all the limelight's about Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. Um, and, you know, calling the quiet achiever, but, you know, had he not had the little um, run-in with um, uh, Scotty Mack <laughs> um, while they were driving to the grid, as, oh, yeah. you know, P1 and P2 um, in in, uh, uh, in Melbourne and costing himself, you know, 100 points there. And um, and what else? Something happened in Adelaide as well. Oh, and the cool suit issue in Adelaide. Um, without those two, um, he would be <laughs> well and truly in the hunt. Um, 
you know, for a top three spot in the championship. So, um, you know, he's been quietly been going about his business, nobody really talking about him, but I've certainly been watching, <laughs> noticing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but obviously a lot of people, other people haven't. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's such a dominant story, the whole silly season stuff, isn't it? But, but oh, when well, got... yeah. it, it's funny. I mean, you know, it's... it's once, once the media or some of the media pick up on a story, they just run with it. You know, it's a bit like Anton De Pasquale. You know, everybody talks about him. You know, he's the, the new Messiah, etc. It's um, you know, it's uh, it, it's so much driven by you guys actually. It's, it's who, who the flavour of the month is, and who's going who's going to be the story of the month, and uh, and then then the then the snowball effect takes over. Tim, does it disappoint you that? In regards to Chaz, then that people are looking for reasons why he should be leaving, as opposed to why he may be staying. Uh, yeah, obviously, but you know, I've been around the sport for over thirty years, so I'm uh, I'm pretty thick skinned to it, really. Um, it's um, you know, the, the media have yeah, got to generate headlines and and uh, and sensationalise things to um, so that people actually listen or read what they're. Uh, or watch what they're um what they're producing. So that's just the uh, that's just the nature of the industry, really. Yeah, we we put ourselves in the in the public domain. You know, that's that's what we're in. We're in the entertainment business. We're in show business. You know, we you know yes, we're a sport, but we're here to create interest, and then all those sort of things create interest. In any way, yeah, does you... it, sorry if I could just Richard, in any way does that make yeah. it tough for you to negotiate? With with all that talk on the outside about you know and and one would have thought that maybe when the the gate to uh, DJR Team Penske was shut with the signing of Fabian Coulthard that things might have quietened down but it actually seemed to raise because then everyone's going oh he's not going there so where is he going <laughs> it just there was there's no indication that anyone seems to think that he possibly will stay with you guys yeah well there you go uh, yeah uh, look. We'll, we'll leave people to speculate, and um, and when we've got something to talk about, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. But it, um, yeah, it's never great because it's you know when all this you know whatever the speculation is, you know whether it was Frosty last year or you know it, it's a it's a distraction for not only the driver but it's a distraction for the team because mm-hmm. you know, everybody's going oh what's going on, and then you've got sponsors ringing up and asking what's going on, and you've got our members asking what's going on. So you know it's just a distraction that. that that you don't really need, but you know, you know, both parties have to work through a process, and um, the more you're working through that process, people will speculate away. Well, that, that was sort of going to be my next question: was how, from a team management point of view, do you have to, or do you find yourself doing anything different to manage this process? Not necessarily with Chaz, but with your guys. Do they come to you and go, "Hey, what's going on with our driver?" And do you have to? manage that internally from a, a business point of view um, any different than you usually would? Oh, you look at you know, when we have our team briefings, you know, you, you, you're bound to say something, but, you know, you, clearly while you're working through it, you can't say too much. So, And most of the people who work for us have been around the sport long enough. They they know, you know, it, it's, it's it's very difficult. You often get challenged for, you know, either, you know, commun- not communicating with the team well enough, but that's because they get on Speed Cafe and they, yeah. they read... On there, and they think, oh well, why didn't the team tell us that? Well, maybe because it's not true. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You find, you often find yourself defending, you know, yourself um, yeah. for no other reason that someone's put a speculative story out, and then you're being challenged about, well, why didn't you tell us? Well, maybe because it's not true. 
You could yeah. have thought about that, but it doesn't work like that. You know, you say just yeah. expect to know, and then you've got to explain why you didn't tell them that it's not true. Tim, take us yeah. through the. Uh, we, we've had some changes happen throughout the year in regards to different cars, and the uh, the ZB Commodore, of course, got there a little bit of a, a, an aero change, uh, I think, or a, a parody sort of type change up in Darwin, and now we hear that uh, there's going to be this centre of gravity change. How is that going to affect uh, everyone? Well, I mean, it's just a logical thing to, to, to happen. I mean, obviously, we all got ballasted it up to the to the to the Nissan, which is a, called the lowest common denominator. So we all had to go up to that. Um, you know, nobody likes the fact that we've had to bolt a lot of lead into twenty cars on the grid. Um, and so we've been, you know, certainly from a from a supercars and a commission point of view, thinking about how else we could do it. And um, and then obviously. With the sort of supercars came, you know, in conjunction with the with the homologating team, Nissan about moving some of their engine ballast, which normally you wouldn't allow. Because, but now that you've got a, you know, clearly before we had a centre of gravity of the engine, but not the rest of the car. Now the engine. Now we're doing the whole car, including the engine. What we're doing is is moving the centre of gravity of the Nissan's engine. Um, to, to lower their C of G, which allows the other 20 cars to also lower their centre of gravity. So it's yeah. absolutely the right thing to do. It means all the holdings get to remove all of the lead they put in their roofs. Yeah. So they've got none up there. And we get to take about another nine kilos out of the... So the Mustang will still have some lead up there, but nine kilos less. So yeah, at least now there is only six cars with any um, lead in the roof rather than 20 cars. So it's... It's definitely the right thing for the for the sport, and it's um, it's good that supercars have sort of worked through a process with Nissan to allow this to happen. Uh, let, let's talk about something that's not driver market or parity. Uh, just give us the, the team owners or team bosses' point of view from the impact that, that Mustangs had. It's obviously created so much discussion from that performance aspect and the fact that it's dominating and the parity stuff that's been going on. But what about? Commercially, what about with your sponsor group? And your team's always been well known for having great sponsors and, and your car sponsored up and looking great and good commercial partners. What, what's been the reaction? Because it's, it's a massive change for the sport. We're, we're six months in now to this Mustang program. What are the positives? What have you found that's gone, yeah, that's, that's been a really good tick in the box for, for going through this process of bringing in the new car? Well, to be honest, I think it's rejuvenated the sport. You know, if you look at the the Fox rating, Foxtel ratings this year, they're up by you know over ten percent. You know, and I think a large percentage of that is attributed to the Mustang. You know, it's just you know we've got Ford back involved in the sport after they you know they you know walked away three or four years ago. So I think that's another great positive for the sport. That you know, and I think you know whether it's directly related or not, you know that's. Now got Holden to recommit to the sport, so I think, you know, certainly having Ford back engaged in the sport, and they really are engaged in, in the sport. You know, it's, it's 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 really good, much more than they ever were, um, even when they were supporting us um, up until three or four years ago. So I think that's been great, and I think, you know, to, to be fair, the, you know, I'm a Falcon fan myself, but you know, it, the old girl was getting along in the suit, you know, essentially. It was an 11-year-old car because the FGX was really just a, a grill and a and headlight change to the FG. So you know, the car was 11 years old. You know, we were well and truly 
um, due for uh, something new and fresh. And I think, you know, it, it, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I think Scotty Mack did an amazing job to actually win the championship with that car last year up against the ZB. So, you know, we needed our freshener, and I think it, you know, we've been working hard on a lot of things in the background, and people like to put down our success this year just the fact that we changed to a Mustang, but that is grossly incorrect. You know, there's been so much work done on engine and suspension and dampers and um, in the background. Um, <laughs> you know, putting it in a Mustang just, you know, just complemented it. And so, well, you know, if you look at Penske, they're performing as well as they were last year and really it's us that stepped up and that's you know, come from a lot of hard work in a lot of other areas that are 100% not Mustang related. Mm-hmm. So, it's, um, yeah, look, I think it's been a great, it's been great for the sport and it's been great for our fan base um, uh, to, to have the new car come in this year. Tim, were you a little bit surprised on the weekend on the fact that uh, and Ford coming back into the sport last year and, and in regards to this year where there was a lot of fanfare about that and rightly so, it was great to have them back. But the announcement of Holden recommitting to the sport was done basically under stealth to an extent. Were you surprised about that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, look, I think it's a positive, 100%. But, um, yeah, I mean, each to their own, I mean... Ford were pretty proud that they were coming back into the sport and that's why they made a big fanfare about it. Um, I suppose from a whole perspective, they were just recommitting to the sport rather than coming back after not being here. So maybe they didn't feel it was uh, such a big deal or maybe they just thought it was just a fate of complete that they were always going to do it. So um, you know, they had no, no desire to make a big fanfare about it. But look, I heard, you know, regardless of the way they announced it, I still think it's, a, it's great for the sport that they have recommitted. Last one for me, Let, let's look forward. Um, two sprint rounds now before the Enduro, so we missed the Queensland Raceway. Oh, of course, we've got Pukakari in there as well. Um, just, just give us your, your, your crystal balling for the next couple of sprint rounds, and then obviously Enduro season kicks off at Mount Panorama, and, and that's always an event you guys have, have stepped up and have got a great track record there over the last decade. So what, what's the vibe within the team going forward to these next couple of key rounds, and then Obviously, enduro season coming up, not that far away, scarily enough. Yeah, not far at all. Oh, look, the, the, the vibes, you know, keep doing what we're doing. I think, you know, if we can keep having four cars in the top 10, invariably you're going to have cars on the podium and you know, we've got a pole position and, you know, I don't think another win's too far away. So I think, you know, the fact there's a group where we're just getting better and better all the time, um, you know, you, you can get on a, a bit of momentum going. Um, you know, Cam stuck it on pole, so I can give you the tip that you know the other three drivers are all thinking, well, it's our turn now. You know, if he can do it, so can we. So, um, so they're all going to be trying to do that. And like I said earlier, if we can qualify in front of um, um, the qualifying master, Scotty, um, we've got half a chance of beating him in the race. So um, our goal is going to be continue what we're doing, and we've got more development parts coming online um, over the next couple of months as well, so we just keep chipping away at it, just keep trying to find those, I call them one percenters, but they're really point one of a percenters because there's, there's, there's so many things. But um, yeah, it, it's it's much of the same. You know, we've just got to keep doing what we're doing. You know, we're seems very focused at the moment. You know, we know, what we're, we know what we're trying to achieve and 
and then we go to Bathurst and you know, that's Bathurst, Bathurst. You go there and you only want one thing out of it and that's a win because nobody knows who finished second or third. I can't remember who finished second or third for the last decade, but yeah. I can pretty much tell you who won because um, yeah. that's the only thing that matters at Bathurst, so we're going there to win that one. I remember, Jamie, we kept running out of petrol. That sort of sticks yeah. in my mind, but that's about it. Yeah, well, that's another, that's another interesting one because a lot of people didn't really give credit, the credit where it was due there. He only ran out of petrol because the bloke behind him was doing qualifying laps and pushing him yep. to run out of petrol. Had Chaz not been, you know, I think it was 15 laps to go, Chaz set the fastest lap of the race yep. um, with a mortally wounded car. Had he not been pushing that hard, um, it would have allowed Jamie to back off and, and say that car behind him just it was relentless. And, he, and you know, I actually think you know, Chaz forced him to run out of fuel. Oh, that's a fair call. We could, too. We could do... We could do an entire podcast on that race. Documentaries have already been made about it. It's one of the, <laughs> yeah. one of the great moments in the sport. Hey, yeah, Tim, thanks for, thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. And uh, congratulations on how the team is performing throughout 2019. And I don't know, maybe the uh, maybe the, the, the team's championship is, is done and dusted with the way Scotty's just belting everyone. But uh, if you guys were to finish second, I, thought, I think that would be an amazing achievement. Yeah, that's certainly the goal. Beautiful stuff. Thanks for your time, Matt, as always, Tim. No worries. Cheers, guys. Tim Edwards joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, Krausey, uh, from a guy that's been in the business for a long time, and we speak of Tim Edwards, to a guy that's just really starting in the business, and what a fantastic way to start his first season in Porsche Carrera Cup this year. Yeah, and Cooper Murray, the winner of round five of the championship, joins us on the line. Cooper, congratulations, mate. That was an outstanding weekend by you. Fifth different winner from five rounds, but forget about that. In the same weekend, qualified on pro class pole, you set a record for biggest cancel race, race winning margin on two occasions. You won all three races. You won your first round. I wouldn't have thought weekends get too much better than the one you just had. No, me either. Um, that weekend was basically perfect. From practice, we had a fast car and qualifying on pro-class pole position on the front row and then going on to win every single race and get a few records along the way. It was uh, it was a perfect weekend. Uh, it was amazing. I couldn't couldn't have thought going into the weekend it would have ended up like that. Cooper, take us through your mindset. In all three races, you got off the line so well and basically went straight out the front and, as Richard said, some amazing margins. I think it was five seconds or so in the first race, but 11-plus seconds in the second race, the margin over the enduro race. Take us through your mindset in those races and the the, the fact that you were being hunted and not the hunter. Well, I knew it's so hard to pass in that class. The cars are all the same, basically. So it's basically all down to the driver. And I knew if I could get the start and lead the first lap, I knew it'd be very hard to lose the race unless I made a mistake. So... Um, my mindset was just to get the start, um, lead the first few laps, and I knew after that if I started to build a gap, which I had the confidence, um, Macro gave me an amazing car to do that, that I'd go on in the race, and that we did. Uh, it, your your season hasn't been straightforward, though. You, you've had a, a change in environment mid-season, so you've moved across to McElroy Racing. Just talk about the impact that that change has had and, and what, you needed to do from your mindset and from your driving to come to terms with being in a, a different crew to the one that 
you raced in Cup Challenges last year and in the first couple of rounds this year, and how that sort of affected your progress, and, and is that something that contributed to the performance on the weekend? Yeah, well, definitely. Moving to McElroy Racing has been a big help because I'm working alongside Warren Luff, and I was pro drivers very fast, so we can compare data, um, compare track maps, try different things on the car and see what's faster. So having that other pro driver there to work together with, um, so we're both at the front, that helps. And that's something I haven't had recently um, in a Porsche. So that's been majorly instrumental in getting me up to the front and um, getting those race wins on the weekend. The- I think Luffy as well, Shebex was saying that he's getting something out of it as well. He's loving having you to bounce ideas off yep. and, and he gets the same out of it. He's got some data to look at as well where he was the only pro in that team coming into the second half of the championship. So it, it looks like to me it's been a, a bit of a two-way street and you two are, are getting along really well. Yeah, it is. Um, me and Luffy get along like a house on fire. Um, yeah, we just we compare everything with each other. Um, it's It's been huge for both of us. Uh, it was, it's been hard for the first half of the year because uh, me and Lucky have both been a single-car pro-driver in the team. So, um, And you've got the likes of Sonic where they've got four pro-drivers. So they're, they've got a lot more data to look at from four drivers where me and Lucky only had one and now we've got each other's bounce-off and you can see already it's helping a lot. The competition in Porsche Curry Cup, uh, Cooper's as strong as it's ever been. Uh, you're coming up against drivers with the names of, of these guys, Dale Wood, Warren Luff, uh, those sort of blokes. David Wall, of course, 2017 champion in the, uh, in the category. It must be so inspiring for you to know that you can not only race with these guys, but now actually beat them. It is. And up until that weekend in Townsville, um, it's been really hard. Um, I've been around the top five mark, but uh, yeah, the competition, it's elite in the class. And uh, now that I know that I've got the potential and I can win in the class, we've definitely moved our markers forward for the rest of the season and we're definitely going for more race wins. What, so, I mean, championship aside, and, and it's going to be tough for anyone to beat Star Wood now because he's so far in front. He's almost, I think he's actually still a full round in front on points after the weekend. So probably not outright championship, given you, you had a tough start to the season as well. But what, what's the goal for the second half of the year? And you're only 17. You, you've absolutely got time on your side. So what's in the short-term plans for you and, and where can you see your career progressing from Carrera Cup? Or do you go around again and have another year? Yeah, so obviously for the rest of the year, um, we've spoken spoke with McElroy and we're not worried about the championship. Um, we've had a tough first half of the year, which has affected our championship a lot. So for the rest of the year, our main game or our main aim is to go out and get as many race wins and top threes as we can and prove that we're fast enough and that we can go into the championship next year as a major contender for, to win that championship and to win the junior championship as well, the junior Porsche uh, Michelin junior program, then go over to Europe and try to do what Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans has done. Um, it's, it's, it's worked with McElroy. Um, both their drivers have done two years in the Crow Cup, one in their second year, gone over to Europe, then the next year after that, after winning that junior program. So that's our main aim, and that's what we're working towards.
I tell you what, though, Cooper, if you if you have a great round again at the Bend, which is the next round for Porsche Pace Carrera Cup, and you were to win all three races at the Bend, just say, you're only 90 points from winning that Michelin Junior Championship now. I mean, the, the possibility is if if something bad, if some bad luck happens to the two guys, the other two guys in Cameron Hill and Jordan Love, that could be there for yours at the next round. Yeah, that's another thing to think about as well. So, obviously, Townsville um, was a major help in our points for that junior program. And going into the round, I think we were a couple hundred points off. Now we're under 100 points. So, another good round in town. Ben could most likely um, bring you right up there. But town Ben is the last round for that championship. So, it, it'd be a tight one if it was to happen. What, uh, so, so, the goals, Europe and... and Porsche has shown that, and you cited Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans as proof that it works. I mean, that, the program's so attractive, isn't it? Is that why you've gone down this route? Because it's uh, one of the few categories in Australia that gives you a, a legitimate pathway to going overseas without having an uber-rich family and lots of backers to tip in to make it happen. Is that why you've gone down this Porsche route? Definitely. It's, it's the best thing in my eyes, um, to my career. And then it's the thing, it's what I'd love to do. I'd love to be a Porsche factory driver uh, over in Europe and race Porsches every weekend for a living. Um, and it's just what I'd love to do. And Michelin are giving me a chance as well to make that happen. So, Cooper, you mentioned what your, uh, what your expectations are for the remainder of this year and how you're going to play that out and what might happen next year. Five years, ten years down the track, close your eyes. Where would you like to be? What would you be doing? Uh, I'd love to be a Le Mans 24-hour winner and um, a Porsche or a uh, World, Endurance, World Endurance Champion. Um, that would be an amazing thing, and that's my that's my dream, and competing sports cars with Porsche competitively and win races. Well, I'll tell you what, mate, about... Four years ago, I had a similar conversation with a young bloke by the name of Matt Campbell uh, after a Jenny Three Cup Challenge end-of-year function, and he gave a very similar answer to that. And uh, he's won the Le Mans 24-hour in a, in a GTE AM car, and he's racing in World Endurance Championship, and he's paid money to race Porsches pretty much every weekend at the most famous races in the world. So uh, four years' time, I expect uh, you to join us on this podcast if it's still going, and... Uh, Tell us what you've been winning recently and what makes Porsche racing, mate, because I think it's very achievable. Well, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. And uh, we'll come back in four years and have the same conversation. There we are. We're locking in now, Shabek. Well, I want to know why you didn't think it might be around in four years' time. Well, have what, confidence. You don't think the podcast... Come on, why not? <laughs> no, Wait, it will be. I'm, I'm, happy. I'm happy it will be. <laughs> and I'm hoping you will be too, hey, well... Keeper. Yes, thank you. No, well, well done, mate. Super performance on the weekend, and uh, I'm pretty certain it's the first of many wins to come. Well done. Thank you very much. Cooper Murray joining us here on The Grid. Richard, what a, uh, an amazing weekend it was. We, we just heard from Cooper there. 
did exactly what Jackson Evans did last year in Darwin. Wins his first race and then wins all three on the weekend. Cooper won his first, won all three in Townsville. We heard from Tim Edwards talk about the performance of Tickford. Let's talk about the performance of Shane Van Gisbergen as well and uh, what a turnaround it was for him. Yeah, huge. Shebex, uh, it was an incredible weekend of racing and, and arguably the the Saturday race was really entertaining. I thought there were some good scraps and, excuse me, although uh, McLaughlin never really looked like being beaten in that one, um, especially after Erebus had their pit stop dramas and cost Davey Reynolds 20 or 30 seconds. Um, it was a, a decent race, but Sunday, man, when we saw that rain start sprinkling before the start of the race, I think everyone just got a bit of a grin because we all knew that something cool was about to happen and, and we got that. It was a crazy, crazy afternoon in Townsville. You mentioned Shane Van Gisbergen. Hard to believe, but that's his first podium finish, let alone a win. First podium finish since the third round of the championship. Amazing. Uh, Simmons Plains Raceway in race eight of the year. So uh, remarkable streak of no results for him. But didn't that race just showcase everything that's good and bad with Triple Eight at the moment? Because Van Gisbergen gets the win. Jamie Winkup ends up in the fence, having run wide at turn six and, and damages the car enough that he can't continue. That just sums up their season. Like they're they're hot and cold at the same time. That outfit and Van Gisbergen breaks a, a nine race streak of not getting on the podium. Win Cup after a great drive on Saturday ends up in the fence and out of the race. So just just a crazy day for that team. But so many good stories to come out of it. First mobile racing with two cars in the top ten. Their yeah. first top ten finishes of the season, and it's a July. Um, Simona Di Silvestro in the top ten, and the Nissan. Could have been even better had she not had a spin a bit later on and when she was punted by Timmy Slade. Michael Just Caruso. Also, oh, Michael Caruso. Best result so for GRM. Wiper, yeah, he couldn't find the switch to turn the windscreen wiper on and the Demica wasn't working. So just ridiculous stuff going on. And that's what those races deliver. And um, we, we spoke last week about how the Austrian Grand Prix really invigorated Formula One. Well, it was sort of an Austrian... Grand Prix effect for supercars in a way. Yeah. Um, we don't begrudge Scotty winning everything, but um, it's nice to see a bit of a bit of an insane day like that just to throw up some crazy results. And I loved it. Really good race. Uh, it was a it was a great race on Sunday, and it just had so many different, uh, as you said, factors to it in regards to not just exciting everyone about uh, supercars again and just showing us exactly what racing can be like, but uh, yeah, it just. Uh, Gave a little bit more confidence. It would have given a bit of confidence to some people who had been fairly down on confidence, I would have thought, over the last uh, yeah, couple of months. Well, I think some. We've touched on Cam Waters with uh, with Tim Edwards earlier in the show, but Chas Mostert was awesome, and, and his drive in the early stages of that race were absolutely superb, and he blazed his way forward. He came away from the weekend with the third and the fifth, so he's been in the top six in the last four straight races and, and going along very nicely. But, but this fight for third, I, I wrote a column about it last week, that um, it, it's going to be the fight of the season is who gets the final step on the podium because it's very unlikely anyone beats McLaughlin. It's slightly less unlikely that anyone beats Coulthard for second. So this fight for third, which at the moment has been Gisberg and Mostert, Reynolds, Winkup and Waters not that far behind, all covered by just a handful of points and all of them in some degree of form and getting results. So that battle to be best of the rest behind the Shelby Power Forwards is going to be one of the great storylines, and there's a lot of water to go into the, under the bridge yet to um, to decide it all. So 
you know, in a year when there's domination, you've got to look at and find other battles and find other storylines to follow. And, and that storyline between those three teams and uh, everyone squabbling over third place is, I think, going to be pretty compelling. The series moves on, as you've mentioned, uh, over the next uh, few weeks. We've got uh, Queensland Raceway to come, Pukekohe, and also the Bend all to come before the Enduros. Do you expect to see much different happen over the next three rounds? Uh, no, not not really. You'd expect the Glockland just to continue to score points, and if you can't win, finish second. Queensland Raceway will be an interesting one. That's their test track. It's the same for the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, and, and we didn't ask. Tim Edwards sat, and that was an oversight on my behalf, but I was keen to see where they felt like they were going to roll out at QR, um, given their home track, Swinton. So that battle of the four Mustangs will be really interesting with one Queensland team versus a Victorian team, but um, there's no reason to expect that at the very least, Waters and Mostert won't be somewhere in the ballpark as well, and the other two blokes somewhere close behind. Um, that, that's going to be an interesting round. It's always pretty good racing at QR. The, the circuit gets maligned a lot, and sometimes for good reasons. But uh, from a racetrack point of view, the layout generally promotes good racing. Um, Taylor Benz in August, that's that's going to be a great race meeting. Uh, the second time the Supercars will have been there. Hard to look at the form guide for that venue, because last year didn't give us much, and uh, Red Bull Holden Racing Team was a dominant team there. But with their battles this season, will that roll over or will the Shell Fords be there? And then Pukekohe, so we've got this weird lead into the Enduros and where Pukekohe is going to serve as the Bathurst warm-up, which in a way is almost appropriate, Chebex, because Pukekohe is a wild, hairy, fast, ballsy, full commitment racetrack. Yeah, and I don't know if that, I don't know if that sounds familiar, but that's, it's got Bathurst written all over it, doesn't it? So Yes. You go, well, look, Pookie, you should, should go okay in the mountains. But, yeah, what's, what's to look forward to? Busy, busy period now. Like, this is a this is a real rush to Mount Panorama with three rounds in seven or eight weeks. And then, uh, then the enduro season kicks off in full swing. The other thing that we didn't touch on, Richard, we should just do that before I let you go, is the uh, the fiery ball of flames that uh, engulfed uh, Brad Jones Racing mm. there at, uh, at one stage with uh, Nick Perkett's car. Yeah, it would probably end up being the most replayed moment of the year, I would have thought, unless something crazy happens on the mountain, which, okay, probably will. Um, yeah, remarkable scenes, and we, we do need to send a shout-out to not only the volunteer officials who put their, sometimes, their lives on the line to, to protect the drivers and teams in pit lane and things like that happen, but also to all of the other teams that rushed to assistance at BJR both at the PJR garage, but also up at the other end of pit lane where Nick Perkat was rolling up the lane to pit exit with the ZB Commodore on fire. And um, both Triple Eight and uh, and Shelby Car Racing dived in to, to help out. And, and I believe one of the guys that uh, dove onto that car from Shelby Car Racing was actually Nick's former race mechanic when he was at Lucas Umbrella Motorsport. Oh, so, it's, it's, yeah, it's all in the family. It's, it's the motorsport one degree of separation. Um, but yeah, people did an outstanding job, and and as you would expect from people in the sport, they're bitter rivals. But if something like that's going on, the rivalry doesn't matter. It's all about the, the safety of the driver and everyone around. And uh, everyone did a super job diving onto the fire and, and making sure it was put out at, at both ends of pit lane. And and missed to everyone was um, Gary Jacobson having his own little barbecue <laughs> when the engine failed and he's missing around the circuit. And we didn't capture that, but the thing exploded properly, had a big fire. So within the space of Three minutes. We had three major fires, um, 
on the wettest day we've ever seen in North Queensland for a supercar round. So it's a certain amount of irony there that only motor racing can provide. Exactly right. Mate, always great to catch up. Uh, We'll do it again next week as we start our uh, run into the Enduros and what a a great period that's going to be. Enjoyed your company up in Townsville, mate, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, cracking weekend. Quick shout-out for the next round of TCR Australia this weekend at the Ben Motorsport Park in South Australia. That's going to be an interesting one. There's going to be some very interesting drivers, Garth and Leanne Tander back on the grid, and a few more to be announced. So uh, looking forward to that. And, yep, it's uh, it's a busy run home, so I'm looking forward to seeing who we can grab for a chat to preview Queensland Raceway, which is only a few weeks away. Oh, we'll work hard to grab someone. Don't worry about that. Like it. All right, mate. Talk Talk soon. Ciao. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid, and that wraps up another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us, of course, powered by The Race Talk, and you can listen to it right here on mypodcasthouse.com, on iTunes, on Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week with another episode of On The Grid.